SouthsideConnect.org. We've been following the story of Abram, uh, who became Abraham in the scripture, because Abraham is what the scriptures call the father of faith. But, uh, but when we think about this, I, I think in some sense, you know, faith is always a test of our grip. Let me explain that to you. Um, I play golf. Sometimes I hit the ball well. Oftentimes I don't. But there's something about golf and a lot of sports where you're hitting a bat or using a racket or using a club. There's a paradox about the grip. The thing about the grip in is the harder you squeeze the grip in golf, the shorter your ball will travel, which is counterintuitive because you want to grip it tight and swing hard. But when you do that, you grip it tight, you lose the ability to have flexibility in your wrist, and it's the speed of the club and the snap of the wrist that get the ball farther. There, free tips, golf tips, (laughs) Pastor Bill. (laughs) First lesson in golf is, is how's your grip? How's your grip? And faith is a test of the grip, and it's about how tightly are you holding on to things? Or how tightly are things that you are holding on to holding on to you? What has you in its grip as you are holding on to it so tightly? In other words, what are the things that are most dear to you? What are the possessions, the people, the, the titles or positions that you are holding on to so tightly that they really have a hold on you? And it's hard for you to imagine letting go of those things. Now, I think that all gifts that we have are gifts from God to be used for our enjoyment and to be used for God's glory. So enjoy the things you have, what you do for a living, the, the things you have, dream big, love deeply, but hold on to them loosely. Hold on to them loosely. Because sometimes you've got to give them up. Let's take a look, Genesis chapter 22, and follow along as we read this most interesting and perplexing story here. Genesis 22, beginning of verse 1, it begins with these words, Sometimes later, sometime later, God tested Abraham. So, do you ever wonder when you're not going to be tested anymore? Abram, by this point, (laughs) think about it. I mean, when you're in high school, right? I can't wait to get out of high school. I hate these tests. And you might go to college and realize that was cake compared to the test you get. Or you start a career and you got to pay the bills and make a living. Talk about the test. Or you get married. What about a test there, huh? And then kids come along and you think, wow, that was even easier compared to raising kids. And then you get older. And you go to retirement, you think, oh, this is great. Finally, all the career tests, the family tests, and then it's like health tests. And every stage of life has tests. We will never stop being tested. That's the bad news. I don't know if I have any better news right now. (laughs) I'm here to prepare you today for life tests. But the question every time you have these tests in life is, 
Am I going to obey God at this stage of life or am I going to go my own way? Am I going to continue following God or am I going to say, God, forget you, I'll do it on my own? Am I going to love God, the giver, or am I going to try to hold on to his gifts with dear life? And I think that's the issue, isn't it? We love the gifts oftentimes more than the giver. But every good and perfect gift comes down from God. But when those gifts become the gods of our life, we mess up. And we can't move forward with the next stage of life as long as we are gripping so tightly to the things that we have now. Am I, am I ultimately worshiping something or someone that has ultimate value? Or am I really placing my ultimate hope and my ultimate sense of self-worth in things that don't really last, that I can't really take with me. And yet we spend far more time chasing after things than seeking after God, first and foremost. So there will come times in your life when your faith is tested, when your faith will be tried, when you have to let go of something that you treasure or something that you love and still trust that God is good. Think about that. Letting go of things I love, losing something that means a lot to me, and still trust that God is good. That's the ultimate test of faith. When you don't get the things you think you will from God. When you lose the things that God has given you, and you still are asked, do you still trust me, God? God still says, do you do trust me? Do you still trust me? It'd be nice if we didn't have to face those tests anymore. But let's move on in the story here. It says, sometimes later, sometime later, God tested Abraham. And then he said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. God said, take your son, your only son whom you love, Isaac, And go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain that I will show you. I don't get that. I don't get it, frankly. Take your son, your only son, whom you love. By the way, the word love there, first time it's used in the Bible. Right there. First time. Was this his only son? No. Ishmael was his firstborn. But at this point, Ishmael is grown. Ishmael's out of the home. Ishmael and, and Hagar have been exiled because of Sarah's jealousy and anger. And so this is the son that he has with him. This is the son of the promise. This is the son that he said is going to have children that will have many children that will become the nation upon which God will bless the world, pour his blessings on and bless the world. But my, my reaction when I first read this, why would God ever ask this man to sacrifice his son just bewilders me, it baffles me, it befuddles me, it confuses me. All those, throw whatever modifier word you want to put in there. But it's unthinkable. It's unthinkable. It doesn't make sense to us on several le- levels. Why would a loving God, like I said, ask an obedient and faithful man to do such a thing. Let me try to give you a couple answers, although I'm not going to promise that I know the answer to this. 
But I think part of understanding this is understanding the word he says that when the scripture says that God tested Abraham. Now the word tested, I think in the King James Version it says God tempted him. But it's, the word doesn't mean, tempt means to entice to sin. That's not what God was doing here. The word means test, meaning it, 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 it tests the, the authenticity, the purity. It's like a quality control test. You want to make sure that it is what it says that it is and can do what it says it can do. So he's testing the purity of, of, of Abraham's faith. And you're thinking, well, come on. Hasn't Abraham proved himself by now after all these years, after 17 times? There's 17 stories about Abraham. And every time there's, there's a test that Abraham is put to, and every time Abraham wrestles with God about it, sometimes he makes mistakes over it, and sometimes he wins and sometimes he fails, but he builds an altar there and remembers with a lesson that he, that he learned in that time of testing. God, you know, you've got to remember that God knows everything, and possibly God in doing this knew what was going to be the end of the story before it all happened, you know, like... Job didn't understand the bigger story of Job's test, right? God understood that. God understood what, what, what Abram was going through, although Abraham didn't understand at that time. So, so God's testing him to prove, not to God, because God knew God didn't need to, to have proof, but maybe it was to prove to Abraham what Abraham was capable of believing God for. Maybe it was to prove to Isaac and to others what God was able to do. But in it all, there was a great lesson that was learned in that, and that's the point of this that we'll get to. Another thing I think we need to learn is that child sacrifice was not completely unheard of in those days. The gods of the Canaanites, uh, the the god of Moloch in the scriptures and uh, other extra-biblical examples uh, believed that the gods were angry and you needed to appease the gods in order to gain their favor and sometimes to prove your devotion to them, you had to sacrifice your firstborn to the gods to, to, to appease their anger. And so it would not have been totally unheard of for Abraham in living among the Canaanites here to think that this is what God was like. And so God says this, Abraham says, okay, this must be what you're like, God. And, 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 and he and he starts this whole ordeal. For Abraham, the supreme test of his faith was going to be up on this mountain, this Mount Moriah, three-day travel, three-day journey from where they were in the valley. And um, this son, who was, like I said, going to be the father of the nations, whose name was Laughter, Isaac's name meant laughter. I guarantee you, there was no laughing going on this day. And this this Mount Moriah, this test, was the final of all the different sacrifices that Abraham was, was, was called on to make. And think about this. Think about this. God called him to leave Ur, leave Haran, to go to Bethel, to leave Bethel, to go to Egypt, to go to Egypt, to leave Egypt, to go. And if you follow the story... There's leaving Egypt to Gerar and leaving Gerar to go to Beersheba and leaving these altars strewn about the land, places where God spoke to him and asked him, 
This is something that I'm going to do. And on this altar, you need to leave behind the past and move into the future. And every time God does something in our life, it involves a sacrificing something that we had in order to move in and receive the future that God has for us. And that's, what was, that's the story of Abraham. I like how Eugene Peterson put this in the book called The Jesus Way. He said, faith is, is, is a trusting, obedient life on the road, on the way. Faith is a resolute yes to the promises and the commands of a living God, a God in the present. And faith is a firm no to an idol subject to manipulation and control, a God that we can see and touch and test. A sacrificial life, he says, is the means and the only means by which a life of faith matters. And so little by little, an altar here and an altar there, a sacrifice permeates every detail of of life, of Abraham's life and every detail of your life. Uh, Think about that. Parenthood is a sacrifice, right? A sacrifice of your freedom and of your time to be a parent for that child. Marriage is a sacrifice of your independence, friendships, work, volunteering. Anything you do is a sacrifice of one thing in order to experience that thing that you are doing. In fact, Eugene Peterson says that sacrifice is to faith what eating is to nutrition. But really, for the person of faith, they learn that sacrifice becomes him. It's not a burden to bear, but it's burdens to lay down. We lay down the burden of sin. We lay down the burden of stuff. We lay down the burden of things. We lay down the burden of this in order to receive the blessing of God to move forward to the next destination that God has for us. So let's see what happens in this story. Look at verse 3. Early the next morning, Abraham got up, loaded his donkey, and he took with him two of his servants with his son Isaac. Now, nobody else knows what Abraham's plan is here. When Abraham cut enough wood for the burnt offering, which is a total, complete sacrifice, he set out for the place that God had told him about. Unknown place, Mount Moriah. Go up there, I'll show you where to do it. And Abraham said, okay. Why he did this so quickly baffles me. That's what I struggle with in this story. Abraham was the same guy that when God said he was going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, said, God, really? I don't think you should do that. God, if there's 50 holy people there, are you still going to do it? Will you do it if there's only 45? Okay, I'll do it. If it's, well, 40, 35, 30. And it was like, you know, this reverse auction that, God, that, that Abraham's having with God and he's, and he's negotiating God down and he's wrestling with God. God, please be merciful to these people. God, please don't, please don't. And yet God says, take your son. And he says, okay. I mean, that just doesn't make sense to me that he would be so quick to say yes to that. And, and, and some would say that, you know, he, he did it because at this point of his life, he had, was so familiar with the voice of God that he knew that it wasn't going to go that way. I, I don't know if Abraham was omniscient about that at that point. I will say this, though, that Hebrews interprets it that way. The book of Hebrews It says that by faith, Abraham, when God tested him, he offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had received the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. 
And this is what Hebrews interprets it as. He says, Abraham reasoned that God could raise the dead, and figuratively speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the dead, from death. But I, I don't know, and I'll leave it up to you to, to decide if you think Abraham knew ahead of time that, Abra- that, that Isaac was going to survive this <clears throat> and that he was going to come back, or did he just believe that God was going to raise him from the dead? I, I don't know. I don't know. That's what Hebrews says. I'm going to take it for that. But I can't imagine that Abraham went up the mountain. He was just going to pretend to do this. I think Abraham, at that point, was committed to following through with it. And... Uh, if he was just doing this to pull a trick on his son, pretty, pretty gruesome trick to pull on your son, right? So notice what it says. On the third day, and that, that phrase right there just jumps out at me. On the third day. Where have you heard that before? Right? Jesus suffered and died, and on the third day, God rose him from the dead. And so we begin to see the parallels between the Jesus story and the Isaac story right here in so many ways. On the third day, Abram looked up and saw the place in the distance. And he said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back. That's key. That's key. Now, either Abraham was just lying to the servants so they wouldn't keep him from slaying his son. Or Abraham maybe believed that God was going to do a miracle to bring Isaac back because he still believed that Isaac was the child of promise and God was going to do something. I don't know. I don't know. So Abraham took the wood from the burnt offering and he placed it on his son Isaac. Isaac still not knowing what's going to happen here. And Abraham took and carried the fire and the knife. And as the two of them went on together, Isaac starts thinking putting it together, said, you know, we have fire, we have wood. Where's the sacrifice? Where's the sacrifice? Where was the wood? On Isaac's back. Where was he climbing? Up Mount Moriah. Parallels there, anybody? Jesus carrying his cross to Golgotha? So, So Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, Father? Now he did it in a British accent, I am convinced. It just adds to the drama if he does it in a British accent. And Abraham said, yes, my son. The fire's here, the wood's here, but where's the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. God will provide. In other words, God will take care of it. Don't worry about it. God's going to show up somehow. Trust me as I trust God. When they reached the place God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. Still no lamb, still no other sacrifice. And then Abraham says, Isaac, crawl on top of the wood. I'm going to strap you down, Isaac. I think Isaac got the message by then. I can't imagine. I don't. What on earth is going on here? Abram's convinced he's going to follow through with it. 
Abram reached out, grabs his hand, grabs the knife, and is about to plunge it into his son when an angel of the Lord calls out to him, Abraham, Abraham, here I am. (laughs) Not too late now. Do not lay a hand on the boy. And he said, don't do anything to him. Now I know you fear God because you've not withheld from me your son, your only son. Wow. And Abraham looked up. There in the thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. And he went over and he took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the place Jehovah-Jireh, the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. Wow. A lesson for the ages. God will provide. I know you're willing to sacrifice everything for me. God will provide. God will provide. I'm going to ask the communion service to step out and prepare to serve us as we continue with the message. What was Abraham's supreme test? It was, will you obey God even when you don't understand him? Even when God makes no sense to you, will you obey God when it seems that obeying God means that you will lose the very gifts that God has given you, when you will have to give up something that you love very dearly that was a gift from God? Will you obey God when all things don't fit together the way you think they should fit together? Will you still love God when life throws you for a huge loop and you can't make sense of it? Will you continue to love God in spite of God not making sense to you? Will you do that? That's the supreme test of anybody's faith. And you might think, well, that'll never happen to me. Maybe you're in the middle of it right now and it is happening to you. Maybe you've gone through that and you've come out the other side and you realize that God has still provided for you. Whatever that may be, I don't know, but I know that this is the toughest thing people will ever face in their life. That is the hardest test you will ever have is to be able to let go of that which means so much to you. But what was the lesson Abram gained from this? He learned that on the mountain of God, God will provide. God will provide. And so, if I could just be bold enough to ask this question. What is it that God is testing you with right now? What has your greatest devotion? Is it the giver of the gift or is it the gift itself? What is it that you need to be willing to hold loosely? Say, God, you know, I love this child of mine. but he's yours. She's yours. I give her to you, God. I give her to you, God. Whatever that, whatever that baby is for you, if it's not a real child, what is that baby that you love more than anything else? And God's saying, can you hold loosely to it? Can you give it to me? Do you trust me? 
Maybe I'll give it back to you. Maybe it won't come back to you. But can you love me in spite of that? Sometimes the sacrifices that we need to make, sometimes the altars that we need to build and the thing that we need to leave on those altars are the sins that are so, so enjoyable to us. The things that we love so much that end up getting a grip on us that cause us to be addicted to the point where we ruin our lives because we can't give up something that has a grip on us so tightly and we just can't do it without just saying, God, I lay it down. I please, God, take it from me. I sacrifice it to you. That, that whatever it might be, it might, it's not always a bad thing. It could be a good thing, whatever that may be. Can we love the giver more than the gift? Can we give up the burdens that keep us down so that we can move forward to the next place that God has for us? Let me, let me explain to you how God fulfilled this. Years later, another man was asked to make a sacrifice. Only this wasn't just a man. This was God who gave his only begotten son whom he loved. And God offered his son as a sacrifice who carried the wood of the cross on his back up the mountain. Mount Moriah is where the Dome of the Rock in Jerusalem is today. It is there on that site that the Muslim people believe that God offered Ishmael. Solomon's temple was built there. That was the place where we believe that God asked Abraham to sacrifice Isaac. It was there near that site where Jesus carried the cross. Jesus, God's only begotten son, who did not consider equality with God something to grasp, but he let it go. And he emptied himself. And he humbled himself and became a human and took on the form of the lowest of humans, of a slave and humbled himself, even to the point of offering himself of death on the cross as a sacrifice to tell you that God will provide for you the sacrifice of your sin. God will provide for you to show you how great God's love for you is, that he's willing to let go of his own son so that he could get a hold of all of his children and bring them home. I don't fully comprehend the mystery of God's grace, but this story of Isaac and Abraham helps me understand that there's a God who will do anything for you and for me, that you might be forgiven, that you might lay your burden down, that you might be free, that you might be able to follow God no matter what life throws at you. So we're going to distribute the elements. And as we do, I want you to be silent. I want you to hold on to them until I give you instructions at the end. But I want you to hold these elements and realize that, that this, this is all about the altar that God built and the sacrifice that God made of his son for you and for me. Let's go ahead and distribute them. Thank you for listening.